Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's about, it's about beautiful football. Nico, there's more to life than having the football having possession. You've got to be pragmatic. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 56. Today, we're going to talk the news, spend a lot of uh, bit of time talking about Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone, move on to the problem at both Manchester clubs. Again, both drawing in massive games uh, with Liverpool winning one goal to nil as it stands right this second against Watford. A bad result for both Manchester clubs this weekend. We're going to go through how to solve their problems, what are their problems and how we do that. Then we're going to look forward to next season. Liga and Serie A really hotting up. We're going to give you the reasons why they're going to be the two top leagues in Europe's top five leagues. But anyway, first up, let's do the news. Hoffenheim, congratulations, have qualified for the Champions League for the first time in the club's history. Nagelsmann, what an absolute hero. Incredible stuff from the 29-year-old. Nico, anything you want to say, touch on with Nagelsmann? Really, really solid manager. The only unfortunate thing is, is that unfortunately um, they are losing some key players next season to to the big boys in in Serie or not Serie A, sorry, the Bundesliga. Um, you know, uh, Nicolas Sule uh, and. Who is the other guy that they're losing? Uh, Rudy. Um, yeah, Rudy. Uh, so, you know, th- those players are a big miss for them. But I think Nagelsmann being the coach that he is and, and being, you know, achieving the things that he's already, already achieved at such a young age um, with so little resources in, in comparison to the teams around him, you know, I, I think he'll be able to cope. And hopefully we see, you know, more great things from this manager. Big, big things to come. I, I think he's destined for Real Madrid, that's all I think. But, you know, the movement from their centre, their central midfield is what we talked about before. It's fantastic. Modern football at its best. Uh, but anyway, moving on to some bad news. Um, Sully Montari again was racially abused in Italy. Uh, Cagliari this time, you know, some disgusting, disgusting scenes and complained to the referee and got booked, which is absolutely, tra- absolutely disgusting. But, you know, Sully Montari is the bigger hear, man, right? uh... Yeah, did you hear he gave he was he was racially abused by a kid or someone that he perceived to be the age of a kid, and so he just gave his jersey to that kid so that he, you know, you 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 approach these hateful problems and these hateful people not with you know more hate or violence or 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 anger, racism and, and hateful concepts like that. You know, they they they're born out of ignorance, and so what you have to do in those situations, you have to be the bigger person like Salim Antari was, and you have to approach those kind of things with love. And I think he uh, he did the right thing there. One absolute hero. An absolute cracking, you know, like you said, example to set for the rest of the world in these troubling, troubling times. In other news, Carl Walker apparently wants to leave Tottenham after a row with Maurizio Pochettino. 
It's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting summer for Tottenham. You know, Carl Walker is a big, big asset on that right hand side, right, Nico? Yeah, he's he's a big part of that team, and I think you know there, there are two roles uh, that essentially Pochettino pivots the team off of, uh, not necessarily wholly anymore, but uh, a big part of that team is Danny Rose and Kyle Walker, and how big of a role they play in sort of their their wing back system, and and if you know they are to lose Kyle Walker in the summer. Um, it's going to be a big, big blow for them. But at the same time, you know, I think it's not necessarily one of those things where I think it's it's an ugly situation between the manager and the player. I think Tottenham are, are in a very, uh, you know, unique situation considering they're consistently competing amongst the top six in terms of, of place of, of, you know, league places and trophies and whatever. Um, but, you know, they're not competing financially. And so I think Pochettino is the type of type of manager that if a player has an issue with the amount of money that he's being paid or what he's being compensated, you know, he, he's not going to deal with a player that, you know, that, that that's really their main issue because realistically Tottenham can't cope with the Manchester cities and the Manchester United's of the world. So it, it's better just to, to let him go as soon as he wants to go because un- unhappiness equals uh, bad performances and that could seep into the other players of the squad and whatnot. And you don't want to really deal with that. So I think it's a, if, if this is true and this is the case, you know, it's better to let him go and get get a nice little pretty penny for uh, Kyle Walker. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. The only difficulty there is, you know, you have the the Borussia Dortmund, uh, you know, example of a few years ago where their team just got, you know, taken apart. And Jurgen Klopp, obviously, fantastic manager over there, but just couldn't deal with the, you know, the every single summer that the best player would go. It's so hard to replace that. And Carl Walker, like you mentioned, so key to this Tottenham attack and defence. So we're replacing him. The thing with Pochettino, though, is um, you know we've seen his work with young players and how he can coach young players and get them with them game, you know, with them having game time, really turn them into stars. So potentially, it's another big job for Pochettino over at Tottenham Hotspur. Anyway, moving on, Mourinho is pondering fielding a Manchester United under twenty three side against Crystal Palace. So Man United play Crystal Palace on the last day of the season, the twenty first of May, and the next game for them is potentially would be the Europa League final on the 24th. So, for me, that's absolutely fair dues from Mourinho. Anyway, the first big talking point of today that we're going to discuss is Las Palmas versus Atletico Madrid. The game finishing 5-0 to Atletico. Las Palmas have had plaudits this season for playing nice possession football, but unfortunately, Nico, it was the pragmatism that won the game, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say pragmatism as much as, you know, some excellence uh, in change of shape and sort of attacking inspiration from Diego Simeone. Uh, as you and I sort of talked about pre-record, it, it was an interesting shape that he decided to go for. It was very fluid and not necessarily static, but it was a t- uh, two three five that really looked to expose the, the worst parts of uh, Las Palmas. You know, they, they've, like you said, they, they've received a, a certain amount of plaudits for their possession football under Kike Setien this season. Um, and they've done some amazing things considering their resources but ultimately it was it was Atletico that were able to to really you know put the put the sword in as it were um scoring early on and then consistently scoring again and again and again it was it was ruthless um one thing that was interesting about them was the way that they decided to attack this Las Palmas side, you know, instead of when they when Atletico did get the ball, you know, they, they haven't been necessarily known for their on-ball, on-ball tactics in uh, years previous is that they didn't camp out in the opposition's half looking to penetrate with some uh, good passes and some good interplay. They, they, they drew teams out 
sort of on purpose by bringing the possession back to their defenders and goalkeepers. And then uh, once they, they had the opposition where they wanted them, essentially, uh, they had a, a bit of deeper possession with their deeper lying midfielders like Koke and Gabby. Uh, and then Griezmann and Gamiero and, and Nicholas Gaitan, to some extent, were allowed to play off the shoulder and sort of in between the lines to these players. And so they were essentially playing on the counter without necessarily being on the counter, which is really interesting concept. And I think sort of the future of, of, of world football, don't you think, Dave? Yeah, I think it's definitely going that way, and it, it was very, very impressive, the rotation. I think that's the, the best thing that, um, you know, Simeone's evolved this side. You know, it used to be a crossing side, heavily geared to whipping balls into the penalty area. Now we're seeing a real evolution of tactics, and as you mentioned, that the system that sort of looked like, you know, the two centre-backs to two central midfielders, Koke coming in from the left wing, but pretty much playing as a central midfielder, um, like an attacking midfielder almost, ahead of the two centre-mids, um, and then the two full-backs nice and high, and a very narrow three at the start. It was um, Gamero with uh, Griezmann and, and Gaetan, who's emerged out of nowhere a very very solid performance from Gaitan um, did very very well to get in between the lines and he was one of the guys that I was so impressed with his movement and the third goal just pretty much summed it up all coming from some pretty a very intelligent play from Koke who uh, pad the ball deep in midfield fired a pass off Antoine Griezmann it's this classic like layoff that we're seeing at the, out of the likes of Red Bull Leipzig out with the likes of Hoffenheim um, where you play a ping a pass to an attacking midfielder draws a man out which opens up space in behind. So it's this bounce type of pass, this sort of one-two that Koke played off Griezmann, which opened up massive space for Gaetan to slip in the middle, through ball to Gramero, and Gramero did the thing. But the really interesting thing was the, the movement of Antoine Griezmann coming towards the ball and attracting the defensive midfielder, who's his natural man to pick him up, and the right midfielder moves into 10, plays that through ball. So it, it, it's so interesting how the fluidity and the narrowness still works for Atletico, but it's very, very different. And Koke was absolutely awesome in the game. He was at his playmaking best. You know, you consider that um, in the first half especially Las Palmas had more uh, more possession than Atletico Madrid but Koke finished the game with 120 passes completed that was 43 more than any other player and he is just such a talent and if Atletico do go on to win the, um, the Champions League this season he's going to be at the heart of that how impressed have you been? Have you seen the the evolution of Cocaine at the start of the season? He was playing left midfield, having played quite a lot on the you know at the wings for Simeone in this four four two, and now going back to the left wing. It's, it's sort of like a modern day playmaker from a wide area that is the evolution of football. Nico, do you think that's something that Pat Guardiola could use at Manchester City? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a very versatile player with a number of different, you know, attributes and skill sets that could be an asset to any team. You know, he has a very strong defensive side of the game. He has a very good grasp on how to uh, move the ball in an efficient way. And then he has excellent delivery, not only in sort of open play, but also on set pieces and corners. You know, his delivery has consistently been excellent. And that's something that um, Atletico have really taken advantage of over the years is his ability to deliver a ball uh, to some aerially aerially dominant uh, center halves and, and forwards in, in Griezmann you know Griezmann's extremely short but he has a good uh, good idea of when to run and 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 do those things so um, it's he's he's a fantastic player and I think he would be an addition uh, to really any side in Europe and you know you you touched on sort of the the classic um, type of play that we're seeing now where you know you ping a pass to a forward player and then they sort of lay it off to somebody else and it's sort of interesting to see because there are several sides uh, in Europe that are currently using sort of these set play triggers where you have sort of an exact idea of what's going on which isn't normally what we see in football you know football is a very fluid sport there's only one stoppage so it's not like basketball where you can come up with set plays but yet we're seeing that more and more in modern football because these coaches are creating these triggers in which to 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 trigger these set plays and it's another evolution 
quotation from Diego Simeone that, you know, earlier this year he tried to go a little bit more narrow to, to get a little bit more attacking out of his uh, formation and his team because he wanted to uh, compete with the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona for the league title. And he knew he wasn't going to be able to do so if he was just continually lining up in that trusty 4-4-2 that was, you know, great defensively, but not necessarily going forward. Um, and, and sort of the narrowness didn't work because they went through a, a patch of bad form in the middle of the year but since then he sort of landed on this different system and I think it's it's working out great I think as well it wasn't just the, the narrowness I think I do remember him playing like a 4-3-3 a bit went for a good run then went a really bad run then he went to like a 4-2-4 played two wingers played tried to play wide and it's what I, what I love about Diego Simeone is he's obviously evolving he's consistently improving himself and now they're going back to this 4-4-2 but pretty much in a way, it looks a bit like a 4-3-3 when they've got the ball. It looks like so many different systems, and that's the beauty of its fluid. And that is how you break down these modern-day deep-pack defences, or, in this case, on the counter-attack against a team that wants the ball. And again, it's it's an impressive... Um, it's another sort of uh, part of, of Simeone's game that he's, he's starting to evolve. You know, Atletico have built their whole thing on a solid defence. Now they are just, you know, the fluidity and, and the, the movement and, you know, the zonal positional play when they've got the ball is, is incredible it's like it's like watching a Pep Guardiola scheme when it's when it's really working obviously not quite at Manchester City but you go back to Barcelona or you know some of the football that they played at Bayern Munich very very nice and, and keeping that balance in attack and defence and that is that's just down credit to Simeone but also obviously getting the, the work out of these players which we've seen time and time again especially someone like Anton Griezmann again who defensively was fantastic you know won four out of his five tackles he's an attacking midfielder he's their flair player yet he's the one you know, chasing people back, sliding tackles in and so forth, which moves on to the big, another key component of the defensive shape now, which is Saul. So the defensive shape for me is a little bit like a 4-4-2 diamond, where the two, um, the two wingers will drop back, uh, Gabby will usually playing a defensive midfield role, and Saul will be this aggressive player. And he just kept on doing it. He kept on pressing the, uh, the Las Palmas central midfielders and winning the ball. It was so, so impressive. Um, you know, grabbed the goal, uh, grabbed an assist for the game. You know, the, the first goal was absolutely fantastic, a brilliant. I think it was a turnover. Koke nicked it. Saul accelerating down that, down that left-hand side, uh, whipping the ball into the, the penalty area, and obviously getting turned home by Bagramero. The second, obviously, the corner that he scored. He's just so good in a defensive sense. And Nico, you were saying about how he plays with a, a catheter, right? Yeah, unfortunately, in the um, in the Champions League clash a, f- a few years ago, he got studded like right in the kidney, and so that unfortunately for him, he was vomiting blood and, and uh, urinating blood. You know, and t- not to get too graphic on the podcast, but you know, there were several uh, urinal problems w- with him. Unfortunately, because this, I think a stud came through and, and caused some serious um, interior damage to his internal organs, um, and now he has to play with an internal catheter, uh, and that's a huge you know sacrifice and something that you know is a big sacrifice for a player of his quality uh, to be taking that risk and, and playing with an internal catheter in his career but it's something that he said in the interview where he actually revealed that because not a lot of people knew publicly that he was doing this obviously I think his teammates knew and, and people at the, at, at the club knew obviously because he um, he sustained the injury while playing for Atletico but he said he was willing to do he was willing to continue to play and willing to do it for Atletico that's how committed he is to the cause and I think that's something that we consistently see with Diego Simeone is that he makes Nicholas Gaetan, like we were talking about pre-record, he was an attacking player when he, uh, at his previous club. Um, he makes everyone that comes to the club 
two-sided. He makes them buy into the process. You know, they're, they're counter-pressing, though that's seen as a more, you know, I guess German tactic. Their counter-pressing is amazing, and that's because all their players are committed. All their players are committed to one cause, and it really shows how, how good this Atletico team can be and why they've consistently gotten to Champions League finals, and hopefully they will uh, again this year. I really hope they win it this year. Do they just deserve it? Simeone deserve it. Like you're saying, they're making players two-sided. Again, Nicolas Gaetan that pretty much carried Benfica in a creative sense last season in the Champions League uh, with Renato Sanchez. He made 11 tackles in the game, winning seven of them. That was more than any other player on the pitch. This is a player that is an attacking midfielder that does his best ball, uh, does his best uh, work in, a, uh, in football when the ball is at his feet. We saw the crack and assist he got from the Gamero goal, the great movement off the right wing to come across. But it is buying into that... Um, Simeone model that's making the, this team so it's this great duality like you mentioned that they all can attack and they can all defend it's like this ultimate it's kind of a bit like total football but not total football from a possession based style total football from a defensive based style which ultimately Nico will win everything because pragmatism always wins over possession which continues what we were saying before. But anyway, uh, Simeone has been been fantastic but uh, Athletic Coverage have been fantastic the game against Real we'll discuss in two minutes let's say but first up let's talk about a player that Kind of impressed me and you, uh, Las Palmas player, not Jesse um, Rodriguez, who I thought was poor. Again, looks like he's got a big attitude problem. A player that's got great potential, but can't seem to do it at PSG under Emery. Went to Las Palmas, I thought he was very, very poor. Looked sulky on the ball, defensively was awful. One player that did impress, obviously, Halalovic. Yeah, Halilovic has been sort of all over the place in recent years. He was very um, well-known in his time at La Masia as a Barcelona um, academy product. He was the youngest player to debut in the Champions League. Um, at 16 years old, he played against Latin Ibrahimovic um, for Dinamo Zagreb a few years ago, and then Barcelona picked him up. Um, so he's not necessarily La Masia through and through, but he spent time on loan at different players. I think he's still technically a Barcelona player at Hamburg. Um, now he's at Las Palmas, and I think he's there's one more side in there that I'm missing. But you know, he was very impressive, and I think it's actually a, a player in a, a position that Barcelona could use right now. Although you know the verdict is not completely out on Andre Gomez quite yet. Um, he, he at, at the moment, I think from what I saw out of him and what I've seen out of Andre Gomez so far at Barcelona, I think if you were to deploy to deploy Halilovic centrally. He's he's a really really solid player. So hopefully he can find some consistency and 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 really show his quality and, and worth to a to a big club because I think he's a player with a lot of potential. I think he's got massive potential. I think the the when you watch some players, you can see that they have that extra moment, they have that extra second, they have that extra calmness in the penalty area. You know, consistently Kalalovic in against uh, Atletico, one of the best defensive sides in world football, was playing against Felipe Luis, arguably the second best right back. Uh, sorry, the second best left back in European football behind Marcelo was so calm on the ball so patient waiting for the right moment in fact in the game he created more chances than any other player on the pitch or twice as many as any other player racked up four chances that he created obviously there was some a good work where he pulled the back for t- uh, pulled the ball back for teammates but they you know fired the ball over the over the crossbar but it, it's that guile and that's that patience on the ball waiting for that right, right moment it's very Croatian and it's very like it looks very very similar to a little bit like Luka Modric at the start of his career which again is a unbelievable praise for Halalovic and I don't know why Barcelona let him go similar you know you're thinking we've got this kid that's come through um, you know come through Zagreb has been trained over in Croatia where there's so many good coaches in Croatia I met a coach um, a half a year ago that was a Croatian coach who'd moved to Qatar because of the money's there now 
And he, you know, the way that he talked about the game was incredible. And he was he was his coach at Zagreb for at like number under twelves level. And he was just speaking about how brilliant he was and how he will be the next thing. And I, the next big thing. And I fully believe that after seeing him a few times, he's too good for Las Palmas. He's that's why he I, I really don't understand. Yeah, I, I really don't understand why they they've let him go. It's either. You know, going on loan and, and maybe someone like Chris Hennage can can put more light on this subject. But going on loan means a variety of different things at different clubs. Some 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 clubs, it's a positive thing. You know, they want you to go out on loan and get more senior experience because they just can't give that to you at the at the current club. And you know, whether they're a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, you know, that's that's likely the reason. But maybe you know, it's also dependent on the coach. You know, someone like Pochettino. If Pochettino Tino sends you out on loan at, at Tottenham, then it, that means he has no use for you in his future plans. That means you you have no future in the in the first team, and they're just sort of putting you out there and and putting you sort of in the shop window. So hopefully, it means the the former instead of the latter. Um, because I like, like you said, you know, he he has genuine quality. He has that ability, and and I think he'll be able to show it if somebody gives him. A- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, let's touch on the Champions League tie between Real Madrid and Atletico. We've got to talk about it on Tuesday. It's going to be an absolutely massive game uh, at the Bernabeu, the first leg. Nico, who do you think is going to have possession of the football? I mean, that's the big question, isn't it? Uh, who will cede the possession? The questions. It, it, it's, yeah, exactly. It's who will cede possession, who will be allowed to play on the counterattack, because both teams are obviously uh, very, very capable on the counterattack of scoring a, a, a variety of goals in a variety of different ways from a variety of different players. Um, so I, I, I honestly think, you know, Diego Simeone, there's a lot of similarities there to Jose Mourinho. And one of the best things that Mourinho does um in terms of his game state management is somehow some way without exposing the team 
making sure that the opposition that you want to have the ball and you want to give them the onus so that you can play on the counterattack has the ball, like I said, without being you know blatantly obvious. Um, so I think Simeone is very good at that. So hopefully that goes his way. And if it does, I, I see Atletico going through on this one. I really, yeah, I really hope Atletico go through. But I also like this rail, this rail team is, is like you mentioned the pe- patience on the ball, the patience off the ball. Um, you know, some big misses for Real Madrid. Obviously, Gareth Bale out injured. Um, Zidane has been tinkering with either playing James Rodriguez or tinkering with playing Asensio there. Nico, who would you go with at the, the sort of left attacking berth, or even Isco? I wouldn't go with Isco. I think Isco is a little better deployed um, centrally, right? Centrally, centrally. yeah. And, and I think if you play Asensio. Maybe there's a little bit of under uh, of undermining or or I guess um, underestimation from Atletico and the Atletico players, even though that's not likely because they're very well drilled and coached by Diego Simeone. Um, but you know, someone like Asensio could be a problem on that on that typical Gareth Bale role um, or Gareth Bale side. So I, I would go with Asensio and, and keep Isco central to give him the best ability on the ball. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously we'll probably go to the classic midfield trio of um, Casemiro, Modric, Cruz. But it is, I reckon I'd, I'd go with Essential as well. I think, it, like you say, it gives a little bit of that unknown. He's, he's looked very, very good. He's looked better, like more suited than James Rodriguez and more suited than Isco playing this more attacking role. And he's got quality in terms of his crossing and so forth. And it's going to be a cracking game. We could eventually see maybe both of them on the pitch. Uh, maybe Hammers on one side and Essential on the other. Isco a bit deeper. You never know with this game with Zinedine Zidane and his tactical changes. But Nico, finally, before we uh, move on to the Manchester United and Manchester City problems, score prediction. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Atletico. Yeah. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Antoine Griezmann to score from the penalty spot, CR7, um, from 30 yards. Anyway, let's move on to the problems that the both Manchester clubs face. Both drawing, um, you know, United drawing against Swansea City at home again. Gilfie Sigurdsson with a cracking free kick, but a very silly foul from Wayne Rooney. And of course, um, Manchester City getting a few dodgy penalties um, and drawing 2-2 with Middlesbrough. But first up, let's talk Manchester United and their problems this season. For me, they're too slow in possession. There's a little bit of the Louis van Gaals about this side. A lot of backwards passes from central midfield, but not backwards passes that are opening players up that are drawing players out of position just flat passes that are putting teammates under under pressure I went up to, for the game uh, this weekend on Sunday and there was a lot of passes from Michael Carrick from under Herrera that basically pushed the United player receiving the ball into Swansea's pressing trap which was a little bit worrying and it was a little bit too much like last season it's definitely something Mourinho needs to evolve whether it is watching the likes of RB Leipzig whether it's watching Atletico Madrid watching someone like Monaco how they attack how they're breaking teams down and I think that's definitely something they need to address. I'd also argue the consistency of number 10s. Um, you know, we've seen Mkhitaryan be wonderful there. We've seen Pogba play a little bit there. Rooney was absolutely atrocious against Swansea City. And of course, at centre-back, United need a partner for Eric Bay. Eric bay has been fantastic in recent weeks. Looks so tired against Swansea. Um, you know, made it till 60 minutes and then was brought off. In the first five minutes, he was sort of walking off the ball around the pitch like he hadn't slept in a week. So for me, they're the three big problems for United. Too slow in possession, too much like Louis van Gaal's side, and not a consistent number 10. And of course, the centre-back issue with Eric Bailly's partner not being found yet. Nico, in terms of Manchester City, what is the issues over there? There's a lot of issues, but I think if I can narrow it down to three main ones, um, there's a there's a 
huge lack of central midfielders um, for Pep Guardiola in, in terms of the ones that he wants to use. I think David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne can't really be classified as central midfielders in, in this in his systems because they're they're more attacking. They're gonna they're always going to be played farther forward and really it's difficult to, to really pin down the system that I think Pep Guardiola wants to play because we've changed so many times this season. I think that's another problem is that, you know, he's testing ideas out. That's what he did. That's what he did against um, Middlesbrough is that he went with a more traditional three, four, three, and he played both uh, Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus, which after the game, he said that, Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus can actually play together in the same team, but it's not with both the wide players, which is what we did at the end. Um, and, and I just think that's it's it's an interesting concept because I think you know the the, the system that he ended up playing at at Bayern Munich was a three two five, and it was it, it worked you know excellently within the league. And I think maybe there there's an idea from Guardiola that. He needs. He, he's going to come up with a system suited to the Premier League. You know, from league to league, the the nuance changes are very sort of specific, and they matter a lot as to whether you'll succeed in that league. And I think he's sort of he's building that idea in his head after the first year, and hopefully he'll have a more concrete idea and a more consistent idea of what he's going to do in order to to be able to play uh, and win cons- more consistently in the Premier League. Because obviously Antonio Conte came in and and really made his side center center around um, N'Golo Conte's ability to win the ball in central areas and then counter. Um, and that was something that pandered towards the English league is that th- there are many teams, even though they're, they're not that many English managers, but there are many teams within the league that are more than comfortable with putting 11 people ha- behind the ball. And that doesn't, that's not good for a side that wants to hold, you know, 70% possession. Then their defensive tactics are shot suppression through counter pressing and pressing uh and normal pressing um so it's it's that it's those sort of things i think you know we switched tactical ideas so many times this season it was a little bit tolling on the players as well as you know um maybe a little bit too much tinkering um also you know one thing that i've touched on a lot this season with manchester city is the club have done an awful job of not replacing players that needed to be replaced long long ago i mean if you look at all of the fullbacks technical fullbacks um that are at the club right now they're over the age of 31 or 32 bakari sanya gail Clichy, alexander kolarov who's not even being used as a as a as a um as a fullback this season for the most part. And uh, there's one more that's escaping me. Uh, Pablo Zabaleta, you know, these guys are all ancient. And so th- those are just some of the players that need to move moved on, uh, let alone, you know, Yaya Toure seeing major minutes this season really speaks to how little depth we have coming off the bench and <laughs> really in central areas. Frozen so at the start, I, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, you know, if there's there's a lot of problems. But if I was to, to narrow it down, those would be the issues. And I think if we can solve those, then, you know, we, we can get going uh, in terms of a, of a title run or a title <laughs> contest contestant. <laughs> So in terms of United, um, how to solve the problems that I mentioned before, I think the solutions will be to move on Michael Carrick, potentially it'll go with Pogba and Herrera deep in midfield. I think that's got a good combination between Pogba's control and Herrera's work rate. Herrera, again against Swansea, didn't have the greatest of games. He was tenacious, he was uh, aggressive as usual, but it was that you know ability not to control the tempo. He, he likes his short passes, he keeps it nice and simple in possession, which would help with, obviously, Paul Pogba playing there to be the more creative player, but given that a little bit more responsibility, maybe playing Pogba slightly deeper. And Herrera is the link man, Pogba deeper, connecting with, of course, a number 10. I think that's a big problem for Manchester United is the consistency of their number 10s this season. We've seen Mkhitaryan play there and look very, very good in spells, but also 
go missing in games. So for me, it's maybe one of three. Bringing back Andres Pereira from Granada on loan um, could be a real good option if Mourinho wants to go with youth and really go with a player that's gone out on loan and worked very, very hard. He's completed more dribbles than any other player under 23 in La Liga this season. Other players, of course... Um, Antoine Griezmann who we mentioned before his defensive work rate has been so 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 good this season which obviously falls into a Mourinho player that was what I was so impressed against Las Palmas not his attacking play but his defensive play ability to work back and win the ball but also his movement is fantastic and again with the United's lack of fluidity in some sense against Swansea and this season in the final third Griezmann's movement could really open up teams with his movement in behind but also his movement to the ball would be fantastic or of course James Rodriguez um has the X Factor, had the X Factor for Colombia at number 10 at the World Cup. We all know what he can do. He's been good when playing for Real Madrid this season in La Liga. He's got the best uh, minutes to goals and assists record in the league for midfielders because he hasn't played that many minutes and his impact has been huge. Goals and obviously a number of cracking passes and cracking crosses. So of course, Dave, nobody wants to go to United and just defend for 90 minutes, OK? Some, nobody some wants players to do, do Nico. Some players like to be pragmatic like Antoine Griezmann. We just spoke about his defensive work. But anyway, Nico, how would you quickly solve Manchester City's big problems? Because there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously I would bring in one or two more central midfielders, uh, maybe move on a few of those old players. I think everybody's talking about sort of an exodus to Manchester City, and I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. You know, him putting Gal Clichy in certain roles, him putting Yaya Toure in certain roles, him using Alexander Alexander Kolarov in the way that he is, you know, that speaks to maybe there's a bit of a future, and, you know, you don't want to move everybody on and then have your squad be so thin, especially when we plan to play um, in so many competitions. So I think there's not necessarily going to be as big of an exodus um, as people are claiming, but, you know, certainly reinforcements seem to arrive in the central midfield departments. Um, And then, you know, just settling on an idea. I'm excited to see what uh, Guardiola settles on, but once again, it needs to be a consistent idea. I think we can't just go back and forth, you know, 3-4-3, you know, all these systems have been played um, at, a, at a, you know varying times this season so I would like to see some consistency mm. I think that would you know you'd solve the problems there Nico maybe Manchester City should give you a call anyway to finish things off we're going to talk about the excitement of next season yes we are coming to the end of the seasons in, in France in Italy in Germany in Spain of course in England but there's two leagues that really are starting to come alive we're talking Liga and we're talking Serie A who is seen as the weaker of the top five, European top 5 leagues in terms of Liga uh, Lille are going to have um, Bielsa next season which is going to be fun Monaco will have Yardin Marseille with uh, Rudy Garcia Dimitri Payet and Olivier Giroud and of course the two other teams we're talking Nice and Lucia Favre and PSG who played uh, in Liga at the weekend and unfortunately for Unra Emery who we are a big fan on, on this podcast with Lucien Favre saying after the game today we played a team with a budget of 560 million euros versus 42 million euros and of course they won 3-1 there was some absolutely shocking defending um, in terms of the, the counter attack the transition from PSG they looked uninterested they looked bored the first goal Balotelli with some classic centre forward play but you see in a 4 on 3 that lasts for about five, you know lasts for like a good 30 seconds that there's no transitional play from the central midfielders to work Verratti with a very weak challenge into the back of Mario Balotelli who arguably was the star of the show in the 3-1 victory and uh, Nice of course playing uh, Champions League football next season Nico which side and manager combination next season are you most excited about in Liga I mean I'm a big big proponent of Bielsa and I think if he doesn't quit after the first day like he did at his last managerial stint <laughs> um, in Serie A because he, he said you know I came to this club they didn't give me what I wanted so I quit after a day 
um, <laughs> which is, you know, the way everybody should really do things. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't quit after a day, which I think he won't because he's been there, he's been watching the youth games, he's been watching a lot of the senior games, so I think he's building an idea. And I'm very, you know, just, just in case some some listeners don't know, you know, Bielsa shaped the managerial philosophy of many coaches that you're seeing today, you know, Pochettino, Sampaoli, uh, uh, Eddie Howe to some extent, um, Pep Guardiola, all these guys have been shaped by an element of Marcelo Bielsa. So he's a very, very uh, influential manager. But also, you know, Lucien Favre, he's the best manager that you have never heard of. He's he's consistently outperformed deep statistical metrics for a number of years now. And that's, you know, going from club to club that he doesn't necessarily have the resources. You know, like you mentioned, he played a team and not everything's about money. I think people blow that up and say, oh, well, this team costs this and this team team costs, <laughs> costs this. So the more expensive team should be winning. That's not necessarily how football works. Um, but at the same time, he makes a very good point. You know, he, he's done a lot with a little. Um, um, and Lucien Favre, I think, like you mentioned, Emery is, is a is a very pressing manager. He he likes intensity and he likes speed within his play. And you know whether it's offensive or defensive, like you mentioned, there was a lot of four on three situations that were, weren't really going away. And I think it's a consistent problem with teams that do press. You know that's their defensive tactic is that they they. They limit the uh, the opponent's opportunity to make chances by pressing. And when that initial shot suppression doesn't work, sometimes they can be very lazy or appear lazy um, in defense. So, um, you know, Lucien Favre is very exciting. But, yeah, there's a lot to be excited for Liga. It's really it's really hotting up over there. And I think it's not a, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion anymore that PSG are going to win it. So exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Again, Lucien Favre. Everton, you know, let themselves down. Could have picked up Favre in the summer. It would have been perfect for the club. Would would be outperforming their league position. Would be outperforming their expected goals models. You know, the models that you mentioned before. Um, was stupid from the Everton board not to get him. I don't know why they didn't do that. In terms of Serie A, though, Nico, you know, the, you mentioned before about teams um, having money and, and not necessarily winning the league. We can talk AC Milan. We can talk Inter Milan. Who for you is the most exciting team, or you know, the exciting manager combination with team for next season, especially for the Serie A title? I mean, that's another league that I think things are going to be breaking wide open. It's not the the besides you know the Bundesliga. Nobody even cared that Bayern won the Bundesliga the other day. It's such a, like a <laughs> foregone conclusion yeah. by now. But I think now you know in Liga and Serie A. You know, although Allegri is fantastic, if he does move on, especially if he does move on, we're going to see this Serie A title be heavily contested because obviously, uh, like you and I mentioned on the last Monday podcast or one of them, you know, AC Milan have managed or not managerial, sorry, um, monetary backing now. Inter have received monetary backing. Napoli have improved their play with Maurizio Sarri, and I think they'll continue to do so with the addition of, of players and sort of the evolution of his style, because I think it does suit uh, Serie A very well. Allegri is fantastic, as usual. Roma are, I think, going in the right the right direction, because Manchi is a, is a big, big addition to that club. You know, he, he makes excellent, excellent deals. He's like, um, the, he's like what John, what Donald Trump says he is. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, but so Manchi's a, a very good addition to Roma. They've also, also bought into analytics, which I'm a big proponent of. Um, so they have an analytics department over there now. So there's going to be a lot of, of contesting for that area title. I think, um, I, I'm, I've loved to watch this Napoli side this season, as you know, you've probably heard me tweet about and heard me say a million times on this podcast. But uh, it's one of those things that I think, you know, we're seeing managers challenge the 
the traditional and conventional styles of football um, by putting players in different positions and sort of revamping um, positions and roles in different ways that we had never thought of, you know, in Italy, especially, um, you know, the classic Italian defending, you know, you see a, a physical and strong and, and physically adept center forward battle with uh, physically gifted um, central defenders. Maurizio Sarri turned that on his head and he said, I'm going to play small Dries Merton as a, as a false nine. And he ran at those defenders and he outpaced a lot of them. And, you know, it, it speaks to, to his credit how he was able to sort of revolutionize that idea. You know, it's not, you know, the most revolutionary concept, but, you know, you, you get it. He's, he's trying different things. And I, so, you know, I'm very excited to see Serie A next season and, and I, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah, of course. You know, we've got so much. You know, the Milan clubs, the the Rome clubs, of course, the the Juve's and the Napoli's of the world. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Well, that's been that for the Statman Dave Football Podcast. Of course, if you want to go and find Nico and you know check his tweets out or check his workout, it's Nico underscore Omorales on Twitter. He is a legend of the game. I'm a legend of the game. Till tomorrow. See you later. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.